How have you been? You know, things have uh, things have definitely been different. Things have been yeah. good. Oh, uh, we did, we did, we got to talk for the uh, for the St. Patrick's Day episode, which was definitely a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Gave that a good listen. Yeah. Nice. There were some things that I said that I forgot that I said that <laughs> I I would have phrased differently, but I thought was fine anyway. I mean, yeah. Welcome to podcasting. I know. We, uh, me and Theo actually. Uh, Theo breaks this rule occasionally, but we, our rule of thumb is to just literally never listen back <laughs> to the episode. That's my rule, too. I just don't even, <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> Every time I break that rule, I regret it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Matt has never listened to an episode of Black Market Therapy. <laughs> I've never listened to an interview I've done on anything. I can't stand myself. So. <laughs> I don't do it. It's pretty good. You should listen sometime. <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it is a good podcast. I do like the uh, the the music, uh, the musical transitions a lot. That's oh, all Joel. You. Is that just and, Joel, or is that you guys like collaborating on any kind of things like that? Well, I use Matt's uh, like instrumentals from Matt's songs probably about about a third of the time, and then you do? Um, I didn't even know that, dude. I've told nice. you that. All right. <laughs> I'm cool with this. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I Good use Matt's music about a third of the time, and then most of the musical cues are things that I've recorded specifically for the purpose of having musical cues. Yeah, because this uh, is this is a new incarnation of your podcasting efforts. Where the previous one was Friday Night Folk, yes, which was a wonderful series. This one I think is really cool too because I found it in my personal life really difficult to get the most out of a media expedition uh, like effort that focuses solely on. Uh, spotlighting artists mm. where you're more of a, a host or someone trying to bring content out of others you know rather than it just being like because like I think this is going to be a really cool crossover episode between us because it seems like even though we have varying subject matter you guys are really focused on like the psychology of things or different kind of metaphorical meanings or things i don't know you guys are you guys are just digging deep rather than yeah. it being journalistic specifically yeah i was talking to owen korzik the other night about like what it's like to interview artists and interview musicians and stuff like that and you know, we were kind of relating on the friday night folk virtual music mentors overlap right and I was kind of saying, you know, I got really sick of just asking people about their musical journey because up until a certain point, it's mostly the same for most people. And like there's a difference between details and stories. And I feel like the problem you run into with a lot of younger musicians is that most of their story so far is actually details and not stories. <laughs> right. You know, so um, and most of those details you know, this isn't an absolute statement, but they cross over a lot. They like, there are a lot of variables, but it's like so many things are exactly the same. And so many, you know, stories slash details are told in exactly the same way up until the point where someone actually reaches like at least a minor form of actualization, I think. So I don't know, that got, that got boring to me. And that's why Friday Night Folk became so topic-based and I did not care about, like, I don't care what your musical journey is. Like, I want to know what you're writing about and what you're hoping to accomplish by tackling certain themes. Yeah, I think a lot of musicians are asked, especially early on when they are creating an, an artistic, like, kind of public identity, that we don't realize it, but we're being asked to create this kind of bootstraps story like this about yeah. how we came from nothing and learned and built and until we triumphed and blah 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 and like and like i am of the belief that the story of like an old school 20th century shoe shiner to stockbroker like old monopoly capitalist like i came from nothing in the 1930s and climbed to the top of a manhattan skyscraper like that's the same story as like kurt cobain or yeah. or bob dylan yeah. like it's the same American story of of coming from nothing and then building into something and as new artists we think we're supposed to do that and I think it we accidentally make ourselves like in in these details and story type interviews uh very boring 
because we haven't done that. I have not ascended into like the corner offices and skyscrapers of New York personally. Right. But <laughs> well, the example I gave to Owen was like I grew up going to Christian coffee houses which were usually held in like the function rooms of churches and they were listening rooms and it was like a very tight-knit community. And if I say that in an interview, that's a detail about my upbringing and my journey in music. But then if I bring that back to, and that informed my sense of community and the types of shows that I tried to run once I opened up my own DIY space, then it becomes a story. Mm. So like there is a, a follow through to it. There's like a connection that you have to make, I think, between, well, this thing happened when I was young and now this is how it has informed something. Yeah. And I think that's really important when, at least when you're interviewing, at least when you're expecting somebody to have a relevant story or a pertinent story to, to the interview itself. And that's something that's hard to find, I think, with younger musicians, younger artists, unless they've been extremely active. We've talked about that, too, in terms of um, interviewing visual artists and being interviewed as a visual artist, because I think an inclination that I have had in the past is to talk about almost like selling myself like it's a job interview or a college application, like talking about what classes I've taken or what teachers I've learned from or whatever, and maybe inserting a lot of unnecessary information into the dialogue just to make myself seem more legitimate, which really just sort of undermines you as someone who's trying to seem legitimate when you kind of are by being there in you the first place. You get as a person who's trying to seem professional. <laughs> yes. When yeah. you're like, huh. Like, nobody cares what school you went to a lot of the time. At all. <laughs> it just does not fucking matter. Exactly. That's a detail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so different now, too, with a lot of, like, the FUBU approach, you know? Like, there's a lot more artists interviewing artists, a lot more musicians interviewing musicians than there were in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, you would see, like, Carson Daly interviewing musicians. And if you think about it, like, with that old paradigm, like, the stories that we all tell that aren't really differentiating themselves in any way would have seemed foreign to the people watching those shows because it's like if you talk to somebody who's like, you know, just like a lifetime nine-to-fiver, like they've never dealt with any aspects of the entertainment or art worlds, our, like, average, like everybody telling the same story is still going to be a circus to them. Mm. So it's kind of different when it's like an artist interviewing an artist where it's like we've all had the same upbringing we know how mundane so much of it is and how little so much of it matters until you kind of do something with it that when you get everybody telling those stories to each other it just starts to get it's like a little bit of a feedback loop happens yeah and it really it's an interesting thing because we're like things like this really break that mold too because like there are a lot of artists like especially in fine art in the fine art world like uh one i'm thinking of is a guy named frank arback who is a painter and he has this quote or some of his writings where he talks about or I think this might be Lucian Freud, I forget. But they, there were some artists that believed that there was a mystique in art and a, and a kind of mystery and drama and behind-the-veil kind of secret to being a fine artist and that artists of his generation and him were in favor of not breaking that mystique and keeping up that veil and protecting those secrets which I don't agree with, and I think, but and I think that's kind of an older way to look at it. But I think that uh, I find it much more interesting. Like when I see somebody do something, whether it's athletic or artistic or musical, and I have no fucking idea how they did it, I'm way more interested in listening to the shop talk mm-hmm. between yeah. two people that know what they're talking about about that thing versus the 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 back of the book blurb, the sales pitch. <laughs> you know, yeah, like. Right, like the the summary of it, the infographic version of, I don't know. We're just it's like a, it's just it's advertising. Yeah, and it's not suddenly going to get easy, you know, just because like the information's out there. It's like like I could learn stroke by stroke how Starry Night was painted. I will never, ever come close to that in my entire life. <laughs> so I love the shop talk too. It's just right. We might as well take advantage of the fact that all that stuff's available. Well, but that's the other thing, like a problem that I ran into with Friday Night Folk sometimes. It wasn't really a problem. It was just something that I had to consciously try to avoid was like asking people like, oh, tell me everything about (laughs) all aspects of what happened in the studio when you recorded this album. Because like those are my favorite stories. Those are my favorite like like movies to watch, like a biopic about a musician that features a lot of studio time. 
uh, AKA Ray. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like my favorite thing to watch, but it might not be the best thing to listen to, you know? So like as pertinent as it is to the developmental process of any artist, you know, what they, what tools they learn how to use in a studio or, you know, I could talk to somebody about acoustic guitars for hours, but there, there's a, a place for it. You know, like I don't host a, a, a podcast about guitar tone woods. So <laughs> it like, would it be appropriate? No, this is an interview show and this, you know, so I don't know, but, but I, I, I agree. I love the shop talk stuff. And I think that there's like a lot of value in hearing people discuss what tools they use, hearing people discuss what processes they're learning to engage in. And um, I actually tend to listen to podcasts that are more about that and less about uh, and less less to interview stuff. Like I'm fascinated by just what people are learning to do. Yeah, didn't we talk about this on something? It might have been even the St. Patty's episode, but just how cool it is to watch somebody who's really good. Yeah, at we were something. talking about maker videos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've started getting um, into that show, How It's Made Again. Like I haven't watched it in years. But oh like, my god, just, I could watch that shit for days. <laughs> just watching an assembly line do something, or watching somebody who's a really good carpenter just turn wood that I can't even measure correctly into something that is going to last longer than I will be alive. Yeah. That is mind-blowing to me. It will never cease to be mind-blowing to me. I could watch that kind of shit forever. You know what's something I just thought of, too, that's kind of a little bit unrelated, but... You guys are both musicians and songwriters, but this your but black market therapy isn't even about art, like or about <laughs> music. And it's really interesting because the fact that you guys are creators, musicians, and writers and artists, it makes your conversations about you know you're talking about literature, literature and psychology and spirituality, and it it makes it so much more interesting because we joke about between each other, me and Theo about how the Boston art podcast is not about Boston or art <laughs> like at all. <laughs> like, we're, like we really want it to be. And we want to like, get, you know, whatever fucking, we don't know what the fuck we're doing, but like, but yeah, it's kind of, it is kind of interesting because the, the thing, the who, the person you are makes the really, it, it colors the, the, the conversation. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah. Well, I think that's interesting, too, because as much as the what is interesting, like what is coming out of your work, I think the why is really interesting, too. Like you were saying, connecting those details into the meaning of what it is and what it means to you personally, that's the kind of narrative you can't get from another artist. That's individual to each person. And I think that's a really fun thing to be able to touch on in an interview if you can. It can be sometimes a hard thing to verbalize, too, though, but it's nice to hear that from people, like what motivates them or what interests them about a certain niche of what they're working on. Yeah, I also think it's valuable just in kind of a maturity sense. Like I think that Matt and I are both at a point where we don't we don't want to just be promoting all the time. And I think like the stuff that we talk about is the stuff that ultimately we end up writing about or at least like, you know, journaling about or whatever. But um it feels like there's more value in actually discussing what is at the root of those thoughts. And what is kind of the source of our contemplative inclinations, you know, that feels more valuable than just saying, I made some art, please pay attention to it. And similarly, when I listen to your podcast, like it's, it's fun just listening to people drive around with no destination <laughs> and talk about whatever comes to their mind. And, uh, <laughs> and occasionally I get to learn about art history too, which is nice, you know, but I, I think it is about Boston and it isn't about art because you're driving around Boston aimlessly and you're processing it through the lens of an artist. And you also occasionally educate people about art and talk about what you're working on and it's it's fun to listen and like i said earlier like i like hearing about what people are working on and what tools they're experimenting with and stuff what a wild thing yeah that's definitely we should we should really hammer home the, the car part yeah that's just kind of happens. that wasn't <laughs> about purpose of it. <laughs> yeah because both of us both me and theo live with people who we like don't want to 
listen to us podcasting? He's paranoid about our roommates, right. really. Yeah, like, and if no one's ever said anything to it, like, there's no reason, I guess, like, and no real reason why I feel that way, but, like... Yeah, but here's my question, though. Here's my question is, what conversations are you having at home that you're not having in the car when you're driving around? Like, they're not listening to you ostensibly podcasting. (laughs) You're not putting on a radio voice and like... (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny because our our podcasting experience is worse when we try to do that, when we try to polish it. It's funny, too, because, like, <laughs> our podcast did, at least for, from our experience creating it, became so much easier and had so much more flow and became so much more productive once we stopped caring. Yeah. We have made it. We, we made a deal with ourselves when we started that we were going to create 10 episodes of this podcast and then assess whether or not we wanted to invest in real equipment. Mm. And it's, we're, we're, it's looking like we're going to because we, we really enjoy making this series. Yeah. But, like, it's honestly just been fucking so liberating. Especially, too, because, like, I, I make a lot of art and I make... I write a lot and I write a lot of music and that's fun and shit. But, like, I didn't realize that my art isn't really what I'm saying. It's what I like. Yeah. Like, I'm just making it. It's fun to make. Music's fun to make. Whatever. But... Hmm if I want to like communicate with the world or want or like want to really, really say what I mean, like the fucking easiest way to do that is to just speak fucking English into a microphone or obviously whatever language you speak, but like, you know, just fucking talking. Yeah. Cause that's another thing too. That's true about me. That's been true my whole life is that I, I fucking talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I will talk to anybody. I love talking and it's almost like, it's so common and so normal to speak and to tell people about yourself or whatever to conversate that we forget that it is it is kind of a medium. Yeah. It is a mode of yeah. expression that we can say shit through. <laughs> like, <laughs> produce through fucking, uh, I don't know, just connect with people through, you know? Yeah. You're making me, th- like, like com- conversation being a medium. I've been thinking a lot lately about why I'm not very artistically active right now. And I'm, I'm recording from time to time, but you know, I haven't been writing a lot of songs and I, I've been wondering if that's because I now podcast all the time and through the medium of conversation, I'm able to be just as vulnerable, if not a lot more than I would be in a song. So maybe I'm doing all the self-expression that I need to through conversation on podcasts and like that worries me in a sense. Cause I'm like, well then where, where does the art come from? Like, will I ever make music again? Will I ever find that necessary again? And, uh, that's a little bit scary. Yeah, I totally get that. I think that has a lot to do with the, the arena that you exist in. And I, that's something I think about a bit where I feel like if I just was hanging out with a bunch of people who like, like, if I just joined a community of tennis players, like, I guarantee I would be playing tennis in, like, a month. And I would probably be thinking about tennis all the time. And I feel like when I'm at shows all the time, as somebody who wants to play shows, I start, like, I don't know, I daydream songs that I'm writing or I'm performance performances where I, a lot of the times I'll get a, a memory of a show, a past show stuck in my head where I'm imagining songs for a show that I played. Like, this would have been perfect in this past moment. And, like, with those moments and those venues not uh, accessible anymore, you know, obviously because of everything, like, I think it makes sense that you wouldn't be writing as many songs because, like, you would have to go so wildly out of your way to perform music right now. Mm. You know what I mean? Even if you did some type of Facebook live stream thing, it's just, like, this is so much more direct and so much... It's... I don't know. I think that... I don't know. You're a performer too, and you love shows. So I'm sure once they're back, you, I'm I'm sure whatever keeps you making art will probably be like, oh shit, like I want to feel that again. But that assumes that performance supersedes writing for me. Interesting. You know, like I think I actually enjoy creating more than I enjoy performing. In a way, they're completely different, though. I I don't know if I could say that with whole honesty at this point, but. Um, it's been so long since I've been able to make the contrast too, but I think that just the cultivation process 
that precedes the performance process can be more rewarding in in certain situations. But I'm not sure if it's if one supersedes the other, if one outweighs the other in terms of gratification and fulfillment. I have no idea. They go together too though. There's something to be said for the completeness of doing podcasts right now, you know, where you can kind of do the the real like front end side where you're you're sort of dreaming it up and then you have the actual basically the gig and then you put it out like there's kind of that three part process that like personally I've always loved that about the the creative process like yeah. I love creating but I need to know that I'm going to perform it I love performing but I need to know that I'm going to go home and write something else like without those pieces all kind of being there it all just loses its luster and I find it's literally taken me until like this past year to start to trust that part of myself but how much I need something I can just kind of go all in on like that satisfies some very restless part of me and I don't know. I've been finding that I have the same fear that like, shit, what if the stuff I'm doing now that I really like kind of overtakes music, but I'm realizing like, cause I don't have those faculties available right now. I don't have the ability to go to gigs right now. And then once I do, those gears will shift because these gears shifted. Yeah. But those mediums feel like very different to me, you know, cause if we make a pro a podcast and we produce it and we haven't released it yet, like, I'm probably not going to sit around listening to it without mm. having to edit it or anything. Like recreationally, I'm not just going to listen to it for fun. Whereas yeah. if I have recorded a song and haven't released it yet, I'm mm. absolutely just going to like revel in it a hundred <laughs> yeah. times before I release it. So there's, you know, the divide between product and presentation. And when they become one and the same, then great. But I also think that that's part of it for me is that like I get exclusive listenership to the song before it has come out. So like that part of the cultivation, like making sure that I'm happy with it and everything that is rewarding to me. Whereas in a podcast, again, I wouldn't just rec listen to it recreationally. Like it's a cultivation of something that is important and of value to me. And it's a, again, a, a medium for self-expression and vulnerability, as a song would be. But I don't know that I would say that, like, the stakes are the same from product to presentation. This is really interesting to think about because it's making me... I've been thinking a lot about my de my own desire for attention and okay. and as it relates to art because i haven't performed aside from like the odd live stream show here and there in over a year but i i, I as i've t talked to you guys about before i've been skateboarding a lot and yeah. i go to skate parks and something i noticed about myself that i realized i was ashamed of before i kind of admitted it to myself but i found myself not attempting tricks or certain things that i was trying to learn unless someone was watching me. And I noticed that huh. I wasn't trying things without somebody looking at me. And at first I was like, I'm a dork. Like, why am I like, <laughs> why am I trying to get this random person to look at me while I try this stupid thing? But then I like really thought about that and wouldn't stopped kind of demonizing myself or like being, a, you know, embarrassed that I felt that way. And I was just like, I just acknowledged, I was like, this is really weird that, or just kind of interesting that, I have this kind of audience drive mm. like I and yeah. like because like when because I, I recently did a, a skate competition that I didn't win but I it enjoyed participating in but I skated better than I, I have ever and there was like a lot of a lot of people there just like watching and I and the fucking people I, I was just fucking on one like I like I was infected <laughs> by the attention and like I was like let's fucking go like I don't give a fuck I'm gonna die trying what I'm trying right now <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> are you the same with with playing music though like do you really turn it on when you're when there's an audience but when maybe you and Nick are together there's just like yeah let's just get through it definitely something that I've battled with through my music experience my whole life is just letting the energy of the moment overtake me and trying to balance that with real precision of the of the art piece that is the song and like I play guitar and sing also just like you know like you guys so there's like a lot of there's some motor skills that you're needing to pay attention to so you don't just fuck up the whole thing 
but with having to play guitar, I've found that kind of difficult, you know what I mean? And have you know, what, I don't know what, I forget what I'm trying to say. Like, I, I can't just totally freak out and go raw energy with guitar. I'm, yeah. I'm not a lead improvised player either, you know? So I don't know. Well, it's different with guitar too, because you're tethered in some capacity to something like you're either supposed to stay kind of near a mic sometimes or you're plugged into something so or in key with your bandmates yeah (laughs) yeah there's always something to be focusing on out of the corner of your eye or the corner of your ear which definitely changes it this is sort of a different note but i mean i'm not a musician so i don't have a lot of performance experience but talking about like audience being a drive in terms of creation i've noticed in myself um, social media kind of plays that role for me in terms of finishing pieces. Like, I often find myself, like, kicking my own ass to get in the studio just because also, but also because it's like I haven't posted content in a while. Like, nobody's seeing this piece if I don't finish it, that kind of thing. Like, I want to get this out there or, like, in normal times, like a gallery show or something like mm. that, but Instagram, really. Um, and it's been a really long time since I finished anything and not put it on my Instagram. And I was thinking about that the other day, how it's kind of weird. <laughs> like... What is the reason behind that? But I think it's it's so easy to kind of shame ourselves for wanting that, but I wonder if there's something there. I've had a lot of people say to me that that's a bad thing. Like, I've had some people actually be shocked by that, but I don't really know that it is. It's kind of like holding myself accountable in a way. Social media is a whole other conversation. It's a different but problem. That, yeah. that is another thing, but yeah. I don't really mind showing people my work and my journals and things because it gives me a reason to... Well, not the only reason. I strive to be better for my own sake, too. But it gives mm. me people whose eyes are on me that I know are going to notice if I'm not striving, you know? Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, actually. Is that bullshit? I think, no, no. no I, I, get I think there's, like, a big difference, though, between, like, like completed work and works in progress when it comes to sharing on social media. Like, I will often take a video of myself playing a riff that I just came up with. And I'll share it, and the only context for it is, this is a cool riff, whatever. If I shared that riff and said, I'm writing a new album, but that was the only riff I had written in like a year, then <laughs> like that would be, uh, you know, a little attention seeking and a little like hungry for an audience kind of thing. Cause then like you're setting an expectation and taking credit for the thing before you've done the thing. That's true. So I don't think there's anything wrong though with sharing completed pieces or just kind of like cultivating a catalog of work on your social media. I think it can be kind of shooting yourself in the foot sometimes, though, if you make a promise of a project upcoming that will be maybe for sale or for release that no. you haven't finished, because then you're kind of closing the door on if you decide to scrap it or if it doesn't come out the way you want it to. Somebody told me a long time ago that, like, with your brain, like, your actual, like, like dopamine and serotonin in your brain, I guess talking about doing the thing that you love, your brain will give you the same dopamine it would give you yeah. as doing it. Mm-hmm. So I try to be conscious of that. And I think social media can kind of fuck with me with that a little bit where like, you know, if I post some, some one thing that I created and I, I actually haven't been doing shit, it can replace the gratification I would have had, had I just, I don't know, kept chipping away at whatever was on the, uh, on the docket that I'm not working on probably. That's an interesting point in relation to conversation and podcasting is a conversational media. Whoa. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Damn. That's an interesting point. That's kind of an interesting callback, too, to talking about worrying that podcast will kind of supersede and absorb and take over. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. I don't even know if I agree with that, but that is Very interesting good to think point, about. <laughs> Fuck. Brian, you're a fellow television addict. Yeah. Um, did you ever watch uh, Flaked on Netflix? You know, I, I haven't seen Flaked, actually. No, I haven't heard of okay. this. I've talked about this on Friday Night Folk before. But uh, there was one episode that, like, really fucked me up, and it was um, Will Arnett's character makes a promise to be there to celebrate somebody's, um, I think it was their sobriety birthday. He, it's a show about, um, like, Alcoholics Anonymous community within the Venice Beach area. So anyway, he, he's, like, hanging out with uh, this girl who's also in the program and makes a promise that he'll, like, be there for, I th- it's either her birthday or her sobriety birthday. I forget which one. But he like promises all these all this all these things and it's gonna be this special time for her. And then he shows up late and there's you know, he hasn't f- followed through on anything. And he says, I'm so sorry, I wanted so badly to to be there for you. And she says, No, you didn't. You wanted the credit and you lived off of it all day. 
until it was too late to take it anymore. So like he got more more of that dopamine rush, more of that dopamine feeling off of making the promise than he would have if he followed through and actually did the thing that he said he was going to do. Huh. You know? And <laughs> yeah, it's heavy. That's and heavy. That, that yeah, like, like really that. made me reconsider like, oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't promise to do stuff like you should. <laughs> I mean, not that you should make promises. You shouldn't, you know, promise that you're going to release an album next month if you haven't even started on it. You know, <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's sort of like having a credit card. If you think about it, you know, that's yeah. way more fun than spending your own money. Yeah. It's just like, holy shit, I have two thousand dollars and you just start going <laughs> ham and you're like, I'll figure it out next month. I can get thirty dollars in a month and then. You can't, and then, <laughs> you know, it's the same kind of thing. That's kind of an interesting thing, too, because, like, that's, like, something I've experienced in my own uh, time, like, in recovery circles is a lot of people will talk about getting in tune with your intentions for what you're saying to somebody, like, especially with, like, apologies or something, because there might be a time where you're like, oh, man, I really got to, like, reach out to this person from my past that I totally fucked over. I really got to like fix this. But like a lot of the times, like they kind of ask you like, who is this actually for? Like to ask yourself that, like, are you trying to actually improve this person's life and have this apology help them? Or are you just looking to be absolved? Mm. And like, I, I think that's kind of interesting too, with talking about art, because I don't think all of us, all four of us right now are just fucking, like, I feel like this is, like, a productive thing. It's, like, I don't think, you know, none of us are, like, lying or trying to make ourselves look fucking some kind of way. Like, this is yeah. just talking for the sake of talking about interesting things. But I don't know, man. Like, I used to have, like, something that I was all disgruntled and cynical about back in the in the days before was I felt like I didn't have a lot of conversations with people unless it was somebody that was promoting to me. And I felt like talking to people sometimes was like watching an ad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I don't know, like maybe there weren't everybody that I thought that about wasn't doing that. And I had some shit wrong. You know what I mean, too? But I think a lot of it comes down to like what, like thinking critically about what you, what you stand to gain and what you want to gain versus what you want to contribute and what you want to, how you want to improve people. Or, I don't know. Well, I think that's a question of genuineness also. Because, like, I think you can tell when someone is advertising to you. Like, we've talked about this before. Like, the difference between, like, in an art sense, like, market talk and studio talk. Like, somebody mm. that's, like... Which, there's nothing wrong with this. I do this. Everybody does this. Respect for doing it. But if you're, like, subscribe to my Patreon. Check out this video I posted. This is my new album. This is my yeah. new art piece. Buy my t-shirt. Versus, like... I'm really excited about this article I just read. It makes me think about this thing. Like, what do you think about this? Like, you can tell when someone's speaking from a place of passion or if they're trying to pay their bills. And it's like, that's fine. But if that's the only conversation you're having with someone, it kind of tells you a little bit about where they're coming from. Or if that's the only conversation you're having with other people, maybe you should analyze where you're coming from too. Yeah, geez. Matt, I kind of want to do an episode called Are Your Friends Your Fans? that's a really important thing sometimes that can mean that you're a jerk that just advertises to everybody but it also means on the inverse it makes you a person with no real relationships yeah and it makes it makes you the advertiser unbelievably alone and without real connection and your art starts to lose meaning and you lose meaning and you stop trusting people because you because you're lying to everybody you think everybody else is lying to you too and it's you become a shadow of your of your former self dude another thing That's too a is dark like dark fucking way to be well another thing too like in a more kind of positive light like if you're talking about the things that you care about and you're sincere and genuine there's no reason why your real friends won't also be fans of what you're doing right like, you don't have to market to people that know you <laughs> If that's they care, a, yeah, they that's actually care. a good point too. Like, <laughs> most people that bought have bought my art aren't my friends, and I think that makes sense. I think it can be true sometimes that the people that buy your work or the people that maybe will pay for your work aren't necessarily like they're people that are looking at you as a brand. 
But it, I also yeah. mean, like, sometimes maybe it's not financial support, but sharing your posts or coming to your shows or whatever. Like, if people are friends with you and one of the facets of your identity is that you're an artist or a creator, the people that are friends with you probably also care. You don't have to give them your business card, you know? <laughs> right. Because that's kind of an interesting thing when you're an adult is that most of your friendships are, like, a majority of them ideally you have actively consented to and chosen mm -hmm. versus when you're a kid you're not choosing your friendships really it's just the kid who sits next to you in class is your friend yeah or something or college or whatever but like so if you do have friends that support your work on purpose obviously like they probably in one point or in one way or another have sought out a friend that does what you do yeah. Like they want to, you know, <laughs> like they they probably want to be friends with artists mm. and to support your work. So And to kind of connect it to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this episode, you have to think about your audience when you're talking about this stuff. Like are you talking to somebody who wants to hear the success story or are you talking to another creative that just wants to talk to you? Yeah, jeez. Like that applies to social situations as well, if not more so. Yeah, cuz we're also a I I don't know anybody who's famous either. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> or anybody who's like, like super rich because of art. God like, damn. I don't know. I mean, maybe I know some rich people that I, I don't know they're rich or things like that. I, I have no idea. Goals. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but like, I, have no, I like everybody, not to like bring this back to, I don't know. Basically, okay. Just do it. I know some people that are beginners. I know a couple people that are beginners. And I know some people that I would personally consider absolute masters of their craft. But I know probably a billion people that are intermediate, like me. Like people who are in the middle, who are just fucking pretty fucking pretty good at what they do. Like I, Joel and Matt, you're, you guys are very good at your music. Theo, you're wonderful at your art. You know what I mean? And we, we all have a million years and so much more space to go. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because we want to. Because we love to do this. Not, you know what I mean? But... I don't know a single person who's in like the end, the sunset of their art career and they've done it all and they're fucking, that would, I don't know. So if somebody is talking to me like they have, I know it's not real. Yeah. Or like, uh. it's just probably not authentic if somebody, if I'm talking to someone as if, as if they have, have made it. Or they've arrived so, or something. I'd even go so far as to say if you're a person that is making art actively still, I was going to say a young person, but if you're alive and you're making work and you're talking like you're done, then you are. Then you're fucking done. <laughs> like, you're done. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I, my lose respect to that conversation as soon as you say that you've won. <laughs> yeah, huh. You know? Yeah, intermediate uh, is, is fucking a massive pool of people. Intermediate should be the goal. Yeah. Maybe intermediate's oh. not even the right word, but work yeah. in progress. Right. Because, yeah. I don't know, you're not done till you're dead. Right. That's a cool way to look at it. You're in the game, you know, when you're in that, that level. Like, you're not near either, either like, bookend that is kind of shitty. Like, you're yeah. you're just down in the filth with everybody, and that's that's fun. Yeah, for sure. Down in the filth. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, and, like... It is, like, an interesting... It's kind of, like, an interesting thing because, like, I feel like this is kind of an age-old three archetypes, like the 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 green, bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed, like, brand-new person. Mm. And on the other side of that is, like, this, like, crone, elder, like, wizard. And then in between those two is us, everybody. <laughs> the maidens. At literally, yeah, literally every <laughs> single person that is still, that is doing it. Yeah. Interesting. I hope that I get to be like an elder wizard, like wise <laughs> art, art person, <laughs> like one, like one day. <laughs> well, here's an idea. I talked with um, a friend of mine once about like guitarists, like you know Tommy Emmanuel or Steve Vai, or like the master class guitarists, you know. And a lot of the time, it it can sound like technicality or you know, mastery at the expense of creativity or like you're showing off technique, but there's not much creative in the songwriting itself. There's nothing in the composition that stands out as interesting, really, or like aside from the fact that it is virtuosic in nature, aside from the fact that you're playing really fast and demonstrating incredible technique, there's nothing compositionally standing out. And I feel like every time that I learn that I figure out that I can, you know, 
I can do this with fingerstyle. Oh, that's cool. I've learned a new technique. I have to then write something that demonstrates that technique, which allows me to get better at using it. And almost what we're saying is that like, once you have reached the level of mastery, it then becomes a challenge to keep composing in a way that keeps your um, creative brain working and not just your skills brain working. You know what I mean? It's like drilling, like doing like physical drilling and conditioning versus being a master of a, of a game or some type yeah. of competition. Or product and yeah. process. Huh. So intermediate is almost like where you want to be, exactly, because it means you have to keep learning, like there's always more to learn. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with mastery of craft. I think that should always be a goal. But I think maybe another goal is just versatility of craft, mm. you know, and like if you if you think that like if I saw myself approaching a state of mastery in the craft of fingerstyle guitar playing. I think I would probably challenge myself to any number of other guitar techniques that I could then apply myself to and, and, and start to learn and immerse myself in because I think I'd start to get bored with just like, okay, cool. Now I can do everything that Mississippi John Hurt did. Great. What, what now, you know? So you're making me realize that I enjoy being an intermediate player more than I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Like, you ever heard that? I think it's a Picasso quote, probably to paraphrase, but he said it took him 25 years to paint like Michelangelo, but it took a lifetime to, to paint like a child. Mm. I have yeah, I love that, that quote. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, maybe creative intuition and, like, just really, like, innovation brain is pretty fucking that probably is really hard to really uh control and and to utilize to its fullest potential versus technical skill i've I've said this to people so many times about drawing but literally anybody can learn how to draw because there is an academic school of drawing mm. you could learn to be an architect you could learn how to perfectly you could learn medical drawings like there yeah. is an academic standard for drawing even though it is subjective so because that standard exists, you could learn it because it is, it is in essence, a technical skill. Just like if you practiced for a million years, you could be a master fucking guitar player, even if you've never written any, composed anything. You know what I mean? Like I've heard some painters or professor types talk about in, in, in Italian churches, like there's so much historical churches in Italy and so much historical art and so much statues and paintings and murals and mosaics and shit and that some of them might be from like the year 1000 like they might be really fucking old but the thing is is it was so popular and so in such high demand religious art was in such high demand of the time that there is an insane amount of really really old unremarkable religious art that isn't really worth anything that isn't really teaching us anything <laughs> Like, it's it's the same crucifixion scenes, but there's just so many of them that they're just not really... Any, like they're just unsubstantial. Well, I think that's mm. why the... Why behind a creative is what's interesting. Like, why you're making music, what the meaning is to you. Because that's what you bring to the table, it's individual. And the technique and the ways that you're putting these things together, or the ways you're writing a song, or making a painting, or a sculpture, or whatever those are tools in your toolbox to channel whatever your ideas are and what drives you. Interesting. I wonder, like, I wonder if there's, like, like, we, there is no, like, recorded history of, like, cavemen and shit, but, like, they probably didn't have a written language, right? But they, know. but they still, <laughs> but they persevered and hunted and built societies and shit. Yeah. They, they still had that creative drive to do those things despite not having the precision of, of a language like a written scripted language and, and academic standard for what they were communicating to each other. And wouldn't it be cool to they know had like, to why they woke up in the morning? <laughs> right. They had to be fucking talking to each other. Yeah. Otherwise, how would they have built tools and fucking caves and shit and fucking like they had to be fucking talking, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. they probably didn't have books and quills and fucking, you know, but they still did it despite not having that. Yeah. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. 
Well, that's why it's interesting too when you're talking about like <laughs> ancient. <laughs> when you're talking about like ancient religious artifacts because those things were typically commissioned by a church and served the purpose of being objects of worship. So they uh, all had the same purpose essentially, which oversaturates uh, that market. Right, and that purpose wasn't necessarily to enjoy great art, but it was. They were they were depictions of of idols of of religious text and shit like yeah either it, communicating to an illiterate audience the stories of the bible oh, or yeah. like the same purpose as a rosary bead something to pray to or you know but yeah. maybe that's why we have artists in history or musicians in history that like they are the only one who can give you what they gave you because yeah. they're the only one who can give you their voice damn i don't like the word voice voice is an overused word in art discussions I think but <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> I wonder if uh, I don't know the, the thing about the caveman keeping a historical record and whether like creativity is the impetus for that or whether creativity is a necessity for that because then you kind of have to figure out this the standards by which to keep the historical record. Like thinking about a caveman having the insight to like, or seeing a necessity in documenting what has happened and probably for either the purposes of keeping a record or for the purposes of keeping a record of patterns, should they repeat and you have to be prepared for that. Like that is, that would be a survival technique. You know, that would be something that's necessary to the survival of primitive man. So I wonder how much creativity actually factors into that, aside from just the maybe the tools that had to be, you know, formed and, and shaped in order to do it. Yeah, that's an interesting thing, because they probably had to be, they may not have been recording things in the way that we would consider, or that how we would define that, like... But, like, there are tons of cultures throughout history and right now that communicate through word of mouth or through oral history. Yeah. You know, so they probably, I don't know, maybe were raising people not to fucking fuck with snakes or, like, eat random fucking berries or something. I wonder if they did, like, plays and stuff like that, too. That's, like, a big thing with, like, when you read about, like, the ancient Greeks and stuff like that. Like, there's only a finite amount of written history about even eras like that but they were always like memorizing enormous amounts of information and performing for one another and doing all sorts of shit like that so sometimes i wonder if like cave people screwed around you know like did they do improv (laughs) did they do improv that would be (laughs) something to say yeah interesting they probably i mean they they had to they probably like fought and like fucking i don't know maybe they had some type of like combat like I don't know killing animals and shit well it's interesting too because to think about the need for a written history is to understand that there's a possibility of your civilization falling uh, like word of mouth works unless they don't speak the same language anymore right because they probably wow huh how would you anticipate that your that there wouldn't be more people or that yeah. society would change mm. that's fucked interesting to think about I find it interesting, like, in one of our early episodes, we were talking about how art is, like, a survival imperative. Mm. This is something that I heard um, someone say on a podcast, which was, like, for centuries and centuries, like, the reason that art has evolved the way that it has is because we need it. It's because, like, we use it as a coping tool or we use it as an empathy empathy tool or, you know, any number of things. So I, I like thinking about the documentation of history or of cultural events or of wars turning into the documentation of emotional struggles and not just cultural struggles and not just per- like it becomes personal struggles as well and it becomes like and not just struggle either you know art serves any number of purposes across time but i think it has become a way for us to c- construct our own meaning out of the events that happen to us or the uh, or out of our experiences and because of that, like it's, it can be well argued that it's like a, a survival imperative and not just a hobby or not just a byproduct of living in a culture that is more advanced and so there's more free time, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really like history 
so I've read a lot of things about historical events and stuff. But as far as the 20th century goes, I wouldn't know a fucking thing about the 80s, 90s, 70s, 60s. I wouldn't know anything about those times if it wasn't for media, movies (laughs) or music or something. Like, I would know the 80s would be a fucking, like, dark ages. Like, I wouldn't know (laughs) shit about what happened. (laughs) Because I've never read a book about the 80s. I've read a lot about, the, like, the Civil War the, or World War II or things like that. Because there isn't, like, I don't know. There wasn't, like, a music movement of the Civil War. There probably was, but not any that I would be listening to on Spotify or something. But They weren't for the Breakfast Club. Right, like, the Breakfast... <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of... So that's definitely true for, like, modern or... or I, I don't know what you would even call that, like, contemporary history yeah. or something. It's interesting to think yeah. about that, too, when you break it down to even smaller sections of time. Like, we've talked about this recently, about how 2014 feels like a different era, yeah. but only in very small facets. Like, if you were to look at it from a historical lens, it's probably not that different. Except for, right. like, the pandemic, but... Actually, never mind, it is really different, but... Fuck, yeah. <laughs> Pop culture definitely delineates between even just years. Yeah, holy fuck. Year to year. Yeah, or fashion. Fashion's a huge one, too. Mm, like, yeah. the, that. that is... Even though there's a lot of public opinion or ideas about it where it's a lot of people don't like it because of the materialisticness of it or body image. Like there's a lot of problems with fashion as an industry and as like, as it relates to, to people, but it is in, in a sense, a a mode of, of expression and an art that, that tends to represent class people, time periods, like Mm. ideas, identity. And that, that isn't, even if it's utilitarian and very, lined with money and and things like that it is it is art that defines people and times mm. in history and in a sense it is a, it is kind of in a weird way a recorded history through through objects interesting what the fuck <laughs> 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 that's fucked <laughs> sometimes i just say shit and i'm like i don't even know if that's real <laughs> Is that even fucking true? (laughs) It's an interesting thing to consider.